Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers! Last time on Dungeon Drunks... Bernie has a long talk with the overseer of the mine, finding out some details on how they will move to the temple in secret. However, both the overseer and Carissa are reluctant to let the party forward unless they deal with the amulet and the fiend that is after it. And they are concerned more about the secrecy of the temple than anything else. Meanwhile, the rest of the party mulls over options before Professor Wood Jonathan's former enchanter teacher from his college days arrives to try to offer assistance. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM Lauren. You might know me as Oboe Crazy. I have pomegranate juice with lemonade in it, which is a weird combination, but is actually delicious. I'm going to be running out after this. We're back to our Thursday recording times. And so I'm back to once we are done, I'm going to go get on a treadmill and watch Critical Role. <laughs> and so hydration. It is it is lovely and I, I like it. And it's kind of this faded pinkish red color. It is not pink. It is not lightish red. It's just this weird color in between. But I like it. And that's all that matters. It looks like a tangerine color from here. It's a little bit. Yeah, that's 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 just my light, making sure that I don't look quite so pasty white as I normally am. <laughs> Carlton, what are you drinking? In true barbarian fashion, I was drinking a pineapple agua fresca from the taco place that I've been going to recently. The keyword was was? I've already finished it. That <laughs> happens. Uh, it was delicious. So now I have a uh, Lacroix tangerine, which is... Not as delicious, but fine nonetheless. Yeah, you know what? That's what that's what happens when we're sitting around chatting amongst ourselves is we just start, you know. No, I finished enjoy- before we even chat around. I just started eating dinner. I just kept drinking and drinking. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck. I'm, I was supposed to save this for on air. Well, shit. Ah, it's okay. <laughs> well, all that matters is that you enjoyed it. And we heard about it afterwards. Because yes. you know what? It doesn't count unless you actually talk about it in a public setting. Bernie, what are you drinking? I can still do an opening. <laughs> uh- <laughs> It sounded like an exhaust on a car. Well, it was my soda stream. Ah. I'm going. We, I have a lot of things to get done tonight, and we, I just didn't go out and buy alcohol because we're going on vacation tomorrow. So we're going to be in another country, and I didn't want a full fridge. And But we do have a nice machine that makes fizzy water, and I love, 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 love fizzy water. So cheers, friends. Luke is the same way. He will just drink water with that he's added bubbles to. Uh, and he's got like the soda. We've got a soda stream. So he does the same kind of stuff. I can't get into just fizzy water. It's something about like, I need the flavoring. I don't know what it is, but he loves it. Can you hear it bubbling? Oh, so good. Um, <laughs> no, I got into it when I was in grad school, uh, mostly because I liked it as an alternative to um, soda. Because soda has, I like the bubbliness, and I don't know why. I think it's an adult thing, because as an adult, I like the bitter, kind of slight bitter taste to it. And um, what was great is I had a lot of, a lot of, like, 
seltzer. And then I would get black and white cookies so that I completely eliminated the sugar in one form and added it all back in another, which is really actually key (laughs) to maintaining. And um, there was, you know, a week when I had a lot of things do that I kind of just lived off of seltzer and black and white cookies. I don't think my body can do that now, but man, it could do that when I was 23. We all did things when we were 23 that we can no longer do now. Ah, being old. Jonathan, what are you drinking? Sorry, I was trying to grab you when you weren't chewing. I thought you were done. My nope, bad. No, not yet. Oh, but this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magic Muscular, and tonight I have a Diet Dr. Pepper, because I literally sat down to start this and didn't, don't have a drink, don't have a shot. I'm here. Yay. That's the important it's part, you're here. The rest of this is trappings. You are the important bit. And you know what? When you're adults, sometimes you have an hour to play D&D, and that's what we're going to do. Travancore, what are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is the very last of my Down East Unfiltered Craft Cider. You'll notice it says unfiltered on the side, but like as friend of the show Sarah would say, unf. Or is it unf? I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Unf. But it's, it's yeah. It's yummy, yeah. That, that, oh, good. That one. Nice. That's good stuff. I love it so much. I'm just gonna... It's so good that mean somewhere on another plane, Strabo Tra- Chanju is just having a sensation. like, what is that? Ooh. And when are we gonna... People are gonna hear from me again. Stay tuned, listener. Stay tuned. <laughs> you know what? I'm impressed. I may have to go get some myself. We'll, hopefully they'll be able to find it on the West Coast. Okay. So... I believe the moment we left off last time, all of you have regathered. Bernie had just announced to the three of you, your variety of animal companions, and the tiefling enchanter Professor Holly Wood, who has arrived in grand style, that uh, there are some issues and problems to talk about. And for the sake of a little bit of brevity, Multiples of you, including Professor Wood, will mention that you should probably find somewhere private to talk. So with that in mind, what would you like to do? I mean, do we want to just pull up the call? Probably. That would probably be the best place. Does at this point have have has the fact that there is a a SIF a, a in this area? Is that known to us that we could maybe use? A, a what? So, um, and... This is something that I would not known about if it not if it had not been for both recent events and friend of the show Izzy. A SIF is a basically a room that is uh, proofed against electronic or other surveillance. Otherwise, it's where oh. people go in to re- review like classified documents. Do we know if there's such a place? Uh, did, was that shared with us, Bernie? Well, Bernie's um, would what would Bernie say? Um, Let me back up. Because I I tried to speed things up, but I don't want to I don't want things to go wrong just because I'm trying to speed things up. Bernie would have mentioned where we should talk, and Carissa will be obviously uncomfortable with the idea of going back to the office. And so, if Bernie starts to bring up the office as a safe place to talk, she's going to give you a very meaningful look, Bernie. Um, Jonathan, can we just, um... Sure. Know. One moment. And Thank you. Jonathan Magimuscular is going to sit down and start roiling his hands and and uh, casting Rary's Telepathic Bond. 
And about two minutes into this, Professor Wood, actually, are you sitting on the ground? Because there's like a foot and a half of snow. <laughs> yeah, that's what he does. All right. I'd like to think that uh, that Jonathan the Muscular is such a master of fire that he just runs a little hot. And so the snow kind of like melts around him in a neat little little Jonathan-shaped circle. Sure, except then you start to cast a very telepathic bond and 10 minutes later you're sitting on a very cold sheet of ice because you haven't been keeping the warmth up. <laughs> Listen, so I will, I will jo- Jonathan the Magimuscular's enemy is not cold. It's totally cold. Cold and water is are his enemies. Don't tell anyone. But he's going to persevere because I think it's cool. Okay. I think it's cool. Two minutes. I'm but ignoring that because I... I like you. Uh, two minutes into <laughs> you casting this, Professor Wood is going to look down and go, oh, you have learned quite a bit. It's that much of a secret. And she's looking at all of you. I'd say so. Bucks nods. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, he's, oh, you are just the, oh, you're just amazing. <sighs> well, listen, is it going to be important for us to look at things as well as talk? No. Okay. <laughs> I was just thinking that we're going to be standing around just thinking at each other, and it's very difficult for me to do that and not look suspicious. Travancore immediately pulls out his uh, his notepad and starts drawing everyone, just so it looks like he's doing something. <laughs> what if we, I mean, we don't have to be out here in the snow. Like, what if we went back to one of the bunks and had this chat? I'm okay with that. I know some of us don't like cold, and she's going to look pointedly at Jonathan. Who's melting the snow with this natural heat. No, no, I'm going to let you do the melting of the natural snow when you're not concentrating on another spell. I'm gonna, that's how I'm going to let this happen. Person who is not currently a fire person. You're He's not a, a fire firebender, come on. He is a firebender, and when you are not concentrating on another spell, I will be happy to say you got fire going all the time, but you're currently concentrating on a not-fire spell, so your underpants are cold. Oh, dear. But I will not, I will say you're enough of a fire mage, I won't make you roll a deception check for anyone else to know that your underpants are now getting wet. However, I will, or not me, actually, yeah, another moment or two goes by as you all sit or stand around in the snow, being looked at curiously by dwarves as nothing is going on. And eventually Professor Wood says, well, I have a mansion or a hut. I can put a hut in a mansion. We can Uh-oh. mansion in hut. Oh, I'll rough it for all of you. I'll just hut. No, oh, no. <laughs> Let me clarify. We don't do this because it's fun. Mansions are great. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Hold on just a moment. Nice. Yeah, it's nice, a nice, nice. She is going to cast <laughs> Magnificent Mansion. Which takes a minute to cast. So she walks away like she had appeared in the central courtyard of this this mining camp, the open area, walked over to be with you, all of you, and talk. She walks a bit back into the center area of this mining camp and begins making this minute-long incantation. All of you can tell, even Carlton can tell, this is as performative as it is practical. Whatever she is doing is actually casting a spell. 
But it's also more for everybody's benefit who's watching, which doesn't just include you, but a couple dozen dwarves who are like, mm, I don't know what. Eventually, she pulls out. So she pulls out a tiny little ivory door and places it in the snow, a polished piece of ivory marble and balances it on top in a way that you don't think is actually physically possible. And then a tiny little silver spoon and dings it on the top like she is hitting a spoon against a piece of uh, a goblet of crystal and you hear this bing and all of a sudden this door expands to something large enough for a minotaur to walk through this grand ivory entrance that she takes hold of the door and opens it up and says please come inside I won't need this for the full day because I have to go back tonight. I think I told you about how I have to go see my friends. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yes, let's let us go and talk. And you notice that as she opens up the door, it very clearly opens up into an extra dimensional space that does not lead to the other side to a bunch more snow and a clearing, but what looks like the foyer of a very nice house. Ooh, Travancore strides right in like some kind of R crumb drawing. Yeah, Jonathan the Magimuscular kind of like is is oh 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 okay and so he gathers up the stuff that he had kind of been like you know had out like his for his ritual and he's kind of like he's kind of got it in the how do i carry all these lemons fashion and just kind of like oh okay um hey bucks let's go and he shuffles into the mansion and when the door opens like we can see in and we can see how nice this mansion is correct oh yes uh so carlton's gonna get right up to the door kind of poke his head in See how this is, like, the nicest thing he's ever seen? And he's going to take his shoes off and then step in. Nice. Okay. <laughs> um, Professor Wood nods approvingly at you and says, That's not necessary, but that is so, so wonderful. I've never been to a place this nice. I don't know. I heard fancy houses take shoes off. That is the nicest thing anyone has ever done when entering my portable home. Thank you. Bernie's going to pat him really nice on the butt and, and pop her shoes off and say, proud of you, Carlin. Like, I imagine, like, if she's not on Coco, so she has to do, like, a little, like, hop up to reach, like, boop. No, I feel like she can reach her butt. Yeah, that's true. She can probably reach her butt. She yeah, has to reach like, up even what, like, on Coco's new. Yeah, yeah, she can reach her butt. Actually, I had her a little bit over two and a half feet. She's pretty tall for her now. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess hand up, you could, like, fully reach it. That's right. I forgot you were on the taller side. All right, you... You all enter, and as as you all come inside, you she follows you in and closes the door. And you are now all standing inside what can only be described as the the grand entrance to the richest person's house you have ever seen, complete with marble floor leading up to a grand double staircase that ends at a second floor. There is a door on the right and to the left. There is the faint smell of something delicious in the air that you you can't actually quite place what it is but it it's delicious whatever it is it's clean it is comfortable in fact you can tell in a moment the heavy winter gear that you're wearing will actually get a little too warm because of this and she gestures around and says welcome i learned this a while ago from a friend of mine i don't get to use it nearly as often when i'm in in neverwinter but 
Please enjoy yourself. It's uh, rather large, so I wouldn't go wandering. Not if we want to take care of everything before, let's say, the day is up. Uh, Time will move like normal while we are in here, so keep that in mind. This mansion is magnificent. We try. It's a magnificent mansion. Yes. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to take off his coat. He's going to hold it out, and he's going to say, if you could take this, please, to... Because Jonathan the Magimuscular knows about the spell, and he is trying to summon one of the unseen servants. Um, she nods at you approvingly, and then does a, a does a little. And at that point, the servants appear, and you get the sense that, like, you know enough about the spell to know that the servants come with the mansion. Do so you get a sense this is like a, a particular quirk of hers that they're not just always there; that she, uh. they've been kind of summoned by her clapping and yes all of a sudden you are surrounded by several of these transparent illusory humanoid style creatures they're kind of like unseen servants that you've seen i jonathan you've got an unseen servant don't you uh i might it's been a little while even if you haven't uh, you've all seen the spell unseen servant get cast this is the same thing but there's quite a lot of them and they immediately are there to take his coat they pick up carlton's shoes as you disrobe your clothing is taken and she says they'll take care of everything don't don't mind let's just go sit in the drawing room and enjoy and, uh, is it too early for it's never too early for brandy what was i thinking oh it's the travel has gotten to me and she strides to the right and opens up the door there where you immediately see it is a luxurious dark wood styled drawing room essentially lush chairs a giant fireplace there's paintings all along the walls that seem to be of different style theaters and opera houses from all around Faerun and a bar on the one side that is immediately tended to at her clap by an unseen servant. She walks on over and you hear her as you, if if you follow her, you hear her say, no, let's, you know what? Let's start with some juice. It's been a long day for it only being a couple of hours. I'll I'll indulge a little later. Uh, Please come in. Make yourself at home. Bernie's going to like take her coat off and stuff. And she's going to look at John. And she's going to say, is this something you know how to do? And you've been like holding out on us the whole time? Not yet. Working on it. Do you you have a hut? Do you have a hut? Uh, Yeah, I've shown you the hut before. Oh, yeah, you have the hut. How come you don't decorate the hut? Because it goes away. Look, this just comes like this. Don't, don't, Don't worry. This is... This is on the way. It's just I I had to I had to refocus some of my studies. I don't know if I mentioned I mentioned it to Carlton. I and Jonathan kind of like looks one way, looks the other. And normally Jonathan doesn't kneel down to talk to Bernie because that's rude. You don't do that to short people. But in this case, he's going to kneel down and get close and he's going to whisper, I can modify memories now. Yeah. Well, that certainly. Yeah. I'm assuming you're having this conversation out in the fo- the foyer. Yeah, while everyone's starting to follow uh, Hollywood out to Professor Hollywood out to the drawing room. Yeah, Jonathan and has kind of stayed behind and is telling Bernie this. So we have a little bit of a problem. They know that we're being tracked, and they don't know what we need to do or what we're d- doing. But they know that the second we go do it. I, we may, that may not be the solution. Okay. It may be part of a solution. I I think, 
I have an idea of how we could do this. Now that I know that you can modify memories, I, I think I have a plan. It's something we can think of. It's a tool in our box now. That's good. That's good. I, I can do things like, not that, but that's good. And then next time we'll get the mansion. Let's go in there and I'll tell you guys what I know. While this is happening, while this conversation is happening, Travancore and Carlton, do you follow Professor Wood? I follow Professor Wood. I am luxuriating this. I'm enjoying it. It's uh, the classiness of it. It reminds me a little bit of home, although different culturally pieces of it. But Travancore, not to seem ungrateful, pulls out the lantern of revealing just to make sure that there's nothing following him in here. Oh my god, can you see the Unseen Servants with that? Maybe. I think you can. What do they look like? How grumpy do they look? So the unseen servants, it's, these aren't exactly unseen servants. These are, if I remember correctly, yeah, they're near transparent servants. They're essentially the spell unseen servant, but you can actually see them without the lantern. And so the lantern doesn't reveal them. It's not like they've got, they're not invisible creatures who now you can see. But yeah, you pull out the lantern and start to look. Um, The professor looks at you for a moment and says... So, we should not be spied upon while we are here. However, it's good that you've got that. And I appreciate that you're being cautious, so please continue. But this place should not be a scryable, invisible, creatureable, and nobody's allowed in here unless they're my friends. Or friends of friends in this case. Or you, my dear. And she reaches down and starts to scritch shadow again. As she's doing all that, I'm, like, following her and, like, just taking it all in. I'm, like, like three steps behind before I realize I fell in three steps behind to catch up. And then she's, like, it's good of you to do that. And I'm, like, yeah, Travancore just remembered he had this after all this time. He never did this before. It's, <laughs> I've, cut me a little slack. That, cut me a little slack, friend. It's, I've, I've had a rough day. That shade is a little green. <laughs> Professor Wood, if it's all the same to you, I've had a rough enough a day that I might, if that's okay, indulge in some of that brandy. Please enjoy. You can't take it with you out of here, but anything That's you fine. eat becomes real. So please, it's it's a modest brandy. It's nothing really nice, but you know you can only get so much when you're creating it out of nothing. That's okay. Just a little to take the edge off of. Hey, Travis girl, you know what I got when you got that? And I'll reach into my bag of holding. I'll go family portrait, and I'll pull up the family portrait I drew of us using Bernie's and Jonathan's crowns and like pens. <laughs> I'm like this, and I never forgot I had this. It's always on me. You know, the negative space in that is interesting space. Oh! <laughs> At this point, Bernie and Jonathan have walked in. I'm sorry. Um, well, we tried with the manners, didn't we? If you can't rib your friends, who can you rib? That's true. That's very true. Um, so, like I said, we have a bit of an issue. The place we are trying to get to. You say that, and Carissa, who has followed you in, because uh, she's still with you, gives you a very sharp look. Carissa, we are going to need their help. And honestly, I trust you. Don't have a lot of reasons to. I have actually a laundry list of reasons not to. This is somebody, however, that Jonathan trusts. And we're in a safe space. And I'm going to reveal as few details as possible. But. Do we, do we really need to talk about what we uh, want to go do? And all we really need help with is figuring out how to stop us from being tracked so that we can do it. 
Yes. I think, however, it bears saying that the path to where we are going and what we are doing, if we are being tracked by someone, the moment we take that path, they will know because we will disappear off their radar completely. And from what I understand, it takes a while. So this isn't going to be like go in a nice imaginary mansion and come back out a couple minutes to an hour later. So that does bear saying. Carissa still looks incredibly uncomfortable, but she continues to just look at you. Meanwhile, Professor Wood, who has taken her orange juice and then also a a half a glass of brandy, has come over and sat down next to Travancore. Has been listening intently, but she's she's got a much more welcoming expression. She says, "My dear, secrecy is completely understood and so i will not be offended if there are details you need to leave out but you're telling me a story that's has a beginning middle and an end but we've started at the end can we can we back up a bit if you need to omit some of the chapters that's just fine uh, but what what are we talking about exactly travancore well so so, and Travancore will go into the uh, the sort of safe for wood um, version of this story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that she she'll give the you'll give her the cliff notes. Oh, You're welcome, oh, everybody. No. <laughs> she will get. Uh, I'm trying to move on. I really am. I have no problem it's with fine. that phraseology. It's fine. That's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It's you good. will literally give her the cliff notes. If we're going to continue to do metaphors for books. Okay. Does it include talking about, give me the the last few lines of these cliff notes with recent events. So you now have this amulet and? And I'm, you know, trying to destroy this amulet. I'm not going to go into how I'm destroying it, but one of the beings that doesn't want to see it destroyed uh, accosted me. And I'll go into the details of like, um, you know, the choice between having to save all these miners and, you know basically fight this uh this mouthless uh, fiend dealy and then now i have a geese spell on me to make sure that i abide by the promise that i made bernie's gonna add some detail to that and she's gonna say everything we know about this geese spell says well i can actually probably lift it um and if i can't lift it with the stuff i have on hand we can kill him um and uh, and she she shout she uh she's like we can kill him and I'll just bring him back to life and that'll actually fulfill the what his promise was and then the problem being is when this spell breaks the being that cast it will know it's broken and we we don't know how long he's been tracking us we don't know how fast whatever how he we don't know how he gets to this plane of existence. We don't know how close by his entrance is, and we don't know if this is gonna take him days or weeks or moments. We also know that he puts everybody here in danger. If we go tromping down our path and suddenly disappear, he will probably also come for us. And like Bernie's trying to like not miss she's like, and and very likely innocent people will die if we disappear like that. Yes. So and that's not something I'm cool with. I had a thought. I think I can dispel the magic that's scrying on us. I don't think I can block the magic that's scrying on us. But I think 
I think we lie and say that we're leaving. And I'll dispel the magic. We let it see us leave. We let it see us see it. And we dispel it and then we come back. Well, that's a good place to start. I have no doubt if you are anywhere uh, at the same level that Jonathan is, that you are more than talented enough to be able to dispel this. When she says that, Bernie raises an eyebrow. Bernie's just like, she does the like blinky gif and she's. <laughs> well, you have to remember she hasn't seen any of you do anything. So Anywhere she's going off the assumption that if you're hanging out with Jonathan, you must be as powerful as him. So she says, I have no doubt that you could dispel this scry without a second thought. That would be easy. The problem becomes if you've no way to block future scry, they can just scry again. And if this creature knows you well, that becomes easier and easier to do. Trust me, I know this spell well. I use it quite a bit. Sometimes, you know, professional secrets and all. Bernie's gonna just make a little face like, like, the, the, like you make when you find out your friend is a professional social media stalker. <laughs> kind of like <laughs> she's a name searcher. She's yeah. like, uh, she when your friend is like, and I looked up his second ex girlfriend, and you're like, oh, you did. Oh <laughs> dear. No, 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 not okay. Professor Wood seems unfazed. I will even say most of you get the sense that this is a reaction she's used to and she just doesn't care. But she does go on and says, Now, you can block scries. There's multiple ways of doing it. There's enchantments. There's items. There's that fun little uh, lantern that can reveal it and then you can just keep dispelling it. But Basically, if you start doing that, the people on the other end are usually smart enough to realize what's going on. They start using other methods. So I would suggest not just lying and then trying to block this thing, because then if it was me, I would realize that you knew what I was doing and come looking. And I'm not as smart as a lot of people who are going to be looking at you. But I'm more interested in what this creature is. You you didn't get a name, you didn't get a a type, you didn't get a an anything. Can you can you describe it for me? Show it to me. Turn into one of them. Can one of you do that? Oh, Travancore has this pad and paper. He's actually gonna from memory draw the fiend and try and show it to uh to her so she has a good idea of what, what we're dealing and with. And as he's drawing it, I'll be like, no, no, make him look a little more thirstier. <laughs> no, no. He wasn't the one who was thirsty. <laughs> Travancore starts shading in the abs. You had some cross-hatching. No, he, the none other. of us That's were fine. thirsty. Julia just wanted to know if it was hot, and it wasn't. A little Ridiculous. bit of thirsty, chiaroscuro style. <laughs> All right. Um, Since everybody is, is joining in on this, go ahead and give me a performance check, and I will give you advantage. Ah, sweet. I always treat my performance bonuses. I've been drawing. Can we, like... um? Oh, I guess the advantage is us helping. The advantage, yeah. yeah. This is, is just a group, of you... a group of people going, no, 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 And then the eyes were, like, bigger. They were kind of like almonds, but, No like, eyebrows, remember? No, no eyebrows. And, and Travancore's taking it all and having had many months of dealing with this party, and he's sort of able to very quickly do it. And he rolls a soft, I got a soft 20, so. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So it's, it's a combination of a couple of things. You're drawing quickly in order for this to not, take forever um so you're you're focused on specifics and characteristics and you're not necessarily going for lifelike as much as you're going for a showing of details and 
the other thing that you're kind of unintentionally doing, the drawing that you produce is fairly accurate. It's not like colorful or anything. It's in, you know, you're just pencil paper kind of thing. But you're also doing the thing in where you're managing to solicit your friends to remember details and describe things in evocative ways. And uh, your performance is helping your friends remember details that's helping your drawing, that's helping them remember things. So in that moment, when you turn it over, Professor Wood hasn't just been watching you draw this. She's been listening to all of you talk. And she's kind of sat back in her, uh, in, in the the love seat that she's been sitting in this plush love seat next to you. And for the first time since arriving, she does not have a smile on her face. She's, she's regarding the creature and she needs to roll. Yeah. Let's roll. It's your turn to roll. It is. I see what you did there. I'm okay with it. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Beyond Heroes, and more. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on February 2nd at 8pm Pacific, so open up your game, go to the shop, and type in this code. D-O-W-P-C-U-B-E-U-R-V-A so use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. So she looks at it and she frowns a bit. And Jonathan, this is this is a rare sight. In all the years that you've known this woman, she is very good at seeing the the good side of everything she's very good at she would have an excellent bedside manner in the way of being able to give bad information in a way that still sounds like oh that's not so bad like she smiles all the time she probably smiles when she shouldn't be smiling she probably hides some stuff she actually frowns oh dear that's not good no this is not good professor holly what is it well, whoever wants this item of yours, this this amulet, that's a Yugoloth. They've been hired to track you. Oh, a what's it called? A Yugoloth. You. A Yugoloth. That so... country no longer exists. <laughs> so, some of this you probably already know. There's demons and there's devils and they fight and they hate each other and they're all awful. But there's an evil faction in the middle. There's the demons who are chaotic and just want to destroy everything. And there's the devils who are meticulous and law-abiding and also are awful. And then there's these ones in the middle. And you know what's worse than those who want to destroy everything or those who want to control everything? They have no convictions. They're neutral. It's people who will sell to both sides. And that's what a Yugoloth is. And that, and she points at the, the picture. She's like, I don't know exactly 
what that is, what kind it is, but that's what it is. And those are not to be trifled with. You have had Yugoloths hired to take care of this. Hired? You mean that they, these don't act on their own volition? They, someone, they, that's their, that's what they do? They're, they're basically mercenaries? Exactly. They usually work for one side or the other. Mortals can sometimes get them, but they are incredibly expensive and frankly not worth it. They're not trustworthy. You hire them and at the first instinct that they think that they could get a better deal, they will break it and go work for the other side. That's probably why you were able to get away with just saying that you would hold on to it for the rest of your life. It was probably just easier. My guess is there's a devil out there that is bound to this amulet that wants you to destroy it. And there's a demon that wants very much for this devil to be out of the way as much as possible. And the devils don't care. They just hired this... Yugoloth to take care of it. And the Yugoloth doesn't care, just wants to do its job and gets paid. And if convincing you to just hold on to it forever is the easier path, it doesn't care. But as soon as it thinks that its paycheck is in jeopardy, it's going to come. And it's going to come hard. And you better be prepared to kill it or buy it out. Have more money than it's already being paid. How much do they typically get paid? As far as Professor Wood, I just gained the ability to teleport us uh, without a circle. So, and and all of my friends here are, as you observed, are of similar power. What are our chances against it and two or three friends? I don't know. My dear, it's fights like that. I'm not one to get into fights. You know me. I'd rather talk my way out of things. And frankly, we don't know anything about the friends that it came with. It sounded like that they were just as powerful. And if this thing comes after you again, it's going to be more prepared this time. If it's forced to talk to you, then it knows you're already bucking at its control. So how you want to deal with that is up to you. Hmm. Okay. I will say this, I'm impressed that you were able to convince it to go away, because now you can control the next time you will see it again, or at least the next time you know when you will see it again. I suspect this thing is not smart enough to just show up the, the instant that Bernice here dispels your geese. It is not just going to appear like Mephistopheles, laughing and twirling its mustache. No... I wouldn't be surprised if that scry is it, keeping an eye on you, making sure that you're not immediately trying to do what you're trying to do right now. But that's okay, because you're hopefully smarter than it. Well, I thought we were. Well, you are. You came to me. I am smart enough to know that they, and I point to Bernie and Travancore and Jonathan, are smarter than I, and then smarter than it, because they is smarter than me, and I kind of just start trailing. And she'll, like, as you start to trail, she'll actually stand up and come over and put a, uh, a warm hand on your shoulder and look deep into your eyes, and she's got this giant smile on her face. And Jonathan, you have, in this moment, as she says words that you are pretty sure you've heard her say 
dozens of times. And she puts your, the hand on your shoulder, Carlton. She says, you are a walking, talking piece of art. And you never forget that. And just because Ooh. you know what you're good at and what you're not good at does not diminish your worth. See, those three remember the last time somebody inflated my ego this much. <laughs> it's not ego to understand. Oh, I'm not saying that to her. I'm powers. saying that out of character. Like when Rihanna came over. <laughs> so did did we bring up the uh, the we brought the amulet in front of her because I had to explain basically what it, what it is, right? Did she you? Knows the amulet. I'm trying to remember because I think like how I also have the 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 geese on me. You know, I think I had to explain at least that there's an amulet involved. Well, yeah, I, I think you, I think you went over we that. Right. It, so, so hypothetically, if there were something that was able to destroy this amulet, would it also be effective against something like our friend Marshall Tito here? I'm sorry. The Yugoloth. Sorry. Oh, I guess. Yes, but also, Yugoloths are powerful and dangerous, but they can also be killed. Now, if you kill it here, it'll just go back to where it came from. But Yugoloths don't really like spending all that energy and time. And my guess is if you were to engage in combat with it, if you were to decide to destroy it, that it would find you suddenly too much of a bother to come back to and it would go do something else as i said they're notorious for just breaking contracts when it's more in their self-interest and their self-preservation is way more in their self-interest than any sort of money so i don't think you need anything more than just a bunch of powerful people and a good plan but you described this amulet to me do you do you actually have it that's neither here nor there well, I will understand if you do not want to show it. If you do not want to show, you just want to tell. <laughs> I don't want that clever wordplay to, to pass without comment. Bravo. <laughs> Neither here nor there. I love it. Being said. This is the content I'm here for. I must admit, I am both curious about it, now that you've explained its worth and its value in a arcane sort of way but also i'm just curious if there's something else that i could glean from it if you trust me i would like the chance to examine it travancore i think that's a you decision sweetie i look up at uh professor wood and i look at bernie and i look at my party and i'm like yeah yeah okay you take it out of the bag of holding and give it to her carlton can i insight her like i mean i've got a good feeling about her but this is also you know, I did. I just met her today, and even okay. though she has a good history with Jonathan, I want to get like I just want to get a good feeling if like it's going to be beneficial for us to show her. Yeah, give me an insight. Uh, thirteen. She seems honest and trustworthy to you, but even with just a thirteen, you can tell she is performative. You've watched her now perform. You instinctually know. It might be really hard for you to tell if she's lying, but nothing sets off an alarm. Yep. Well, Travancore kind of reads it on Carlton's face, at least like the look, and then he doesn't see anyone stopping him. So he's going to reach into the bag, grab the amulet, and, and hold it, basically, for Professor Wood to examine. I don't think he's going to let it go. And she's okay with it. She comes on over. Um, she does. I'm assuming you're like dangling it by the chain so that she can see the actual medallion part of it. Oh, yeah. She doesn't try to pull it away from you, but she will take 
it in her hand so that she can examine it close up and then turn it over. And Jonathan, you watch in rapid succession as she casts several spells, one of which is identify, which she does not do as a ritual. She just right there. She casts, so she casts identify. No, when she identifies, she doesn't have to do that. She turns it over. Yeah, she casts identify. She casts a spell you don't know. She turns it over. She adjusts a headband on her head and wipes off some of the dried blood that you would all notice that was on there and, and sees nothing there and frowns a bit and looks at all of you and says, Don't mind me. I hate when I have to be this, this much of a drama queen. And uh, she takes her other hand, the one that's not holding the amulet, and she puts a thumb in her mouth and she's got the the sharpened canines of a tiefling and bites down on her thumb. Not hard. Enough to break the skin. And then she smears the thumb across the amulet just enough to get a, a nice smear of blood before she shakes it out and sucks on her thumb and says, Ugh, dirty business. Devils always doing stuff with blood. She kind of watches the amulet for a moment. And she adjusts the headband a little bit more and says, hmm, well, that explains that. And she holds the the part with the smeared blood across to you. And you can see that as the blood is drying, there is now a, a faint symbol on there that you remember seeing that none of you could read. And you still can't read it. Like, can't read it and we don't know if it's a, what language it is, or can't read it like we know it's there, but it's like... It's like runic instead of a, a, a letter. A thing we have trouble focusing on. Those of you who speak, I think it's Infernal, which I know a couple of you do, you recognize it that it's a language, but you do, it's not a word you recognize. It's, a, it's just like a series of letters. And you've seen this before. I think actually specifically, um, not Jonathan, but the three of you who are talking to the devil when she first, um, when Anorak interacted with you just after you defeated the dragon and you pulled out this amulet, you remember seeing this the first time. And it, same thing, you couldn't read it at the time, but now you can see it again. And she gives it a, a, a severe look and says, you have a way of summoning this demon or this devil. That's why she doesn't want it on this plane of existence anymore. That's why she wants it destroyed. This honestly makes so much more sense now. Do you know what this is? Yeah, I think like, so I have a cousin who, or had a cousin who wasn't quite as, I don't want to use the word virtuous to describe myself. Or I guess is what Morally I am upright. Yeah, morally upright, I guess, is probably closer to the truth. Um, Thank you. Who used it, and I understand that the summoning involves a lot of innocent blood, and, you know, I don't have the appetite for that. This is absolutely correct. Now, fortunately, I'm not trying to summon this devil that would be ridiculous and dumb. And I am many things, but I'm not that dumb. However, when you are dealing with infernal objects, a little bit of blood goes a very long way. And this, I can't be for certain. But I would bet this is the true name of your devil. And you can see printed across it, 
now that it is explained to you that is a name, as it fades, as the blood dries, and as it is, some of it has actually seemed to be absorbed into the amulet. Not a lot, but some of it seems to be like being sucked in and the, the letters have been highlighted. But even this little bit of blood, as it fades, you can see these letters fading and you can see that the name that is listed is Lasea, L-A-S-S-A-Y-I-A. L-A-S-S-A-Y-I-A. I-A. And she is in the in Infernal, essentially. And she's the professor's pointing to that and says, Now I won't say I know how to pronounce that. My infernal is awesome, but my my de- my demonic nomenclature is a little bit off. I would suggest not saying this out loud. Yes, usually summoning anything from the infernal hells requires a lot of sacrifices and really dirty things. But saying the name, even in a protected place like this, can be a dangerous endeavor. Inviting a true name into your mouth. Basically, there is no soap that will get rid of it. Good to know. Travancore finishes his brandy. And with that, (laughs) we'll end today's episode. And next time we get together, we'll still be in the uh, magnificent mansion. And if you have any other questions. uh, And now we have the devil's true name. I've been sitting on that name for years. Can someone throw that into the chat real quick? For those of you who want to say it out loud. Let's say it. I, can't I immediately grab scrap paper because I can't find my notebook and a thing. And I'm like, I'm writing this down. Yep. So for, <laughs> for Jonathan getting upped by his own teacher, for Bernie having a moment where she realizes that, you know, maybe this awesome woman has some unsavory sides, for Carlton uh, getting some inspiration from from a teacher who knows how to say it, and for uh, Travancore for spilling his history once again for the greater good, I'm going to give you a total of 5,500 experience to split between the four of you. The next time we get together, brandy will continue to be consumed. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Christopher Waterston, Linnea Boyev, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.